every time you do a trailer read, you have to be like, nope, this is how it's supposed to sound. This is what it is. If you don't like it, screw you, but this is what it is. <laughs> Getting feedback from someone, choosing not to take it personally, is actually very freeing. Mm -hmm. And I find for me that I do the worst when I'm trying to give somebody what they want. It's like the modern version of the, the two people inside of a horse. <laughs> <laughs> Times are changing, we want different voices, we want different races, we want more female voices. I think it's a beautiful thing and I'm actually just super excited to be part of the world of voiceover today. And there is something about the strength in numbers that has been really emboldening. We lie on the floor flopping around like a, like a fish for 45 minutes. We work in isolation booths. So if we, want, if we don't want to be isolated, we should leave those booths. Never think, uh, I hope he asks me to be, I hope he pitches me to whoever they really, like if you think that way, then they're mm -hmm. not really your friends or peers and you're just trying to use yeah. people. Yeah. She pilots my meat suit. I've only heard really bad things about Jamie. Right. Well, yeah, that know, makes sense. That makes sense. You gotta watch the bridge, though. <laughs> Instead of trying to figure out how to get into it, I just brought a bunch of people together that none of us knew the industry. Stop wiping expectations on any audition. It's never give up and be the most persistent person in the room. It's always those that are the last ones standing. You're going to get a lot more no's than you get yeses, and I, that's true for me today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the VO School podcast. Now, today we're doing something a little bit different. Rather than having one or two guests in together and we all talk about a subject as a group, I've actually invited four fellow voice talents and experts in their fields to talk about how they find their work in those fields. So this is the first of a two-part series. The next episode will come out in a few weeks' time. And today we're covering commercials, promo, telephony and IVR, Spanish language and radio imaging. Just a little reminder that if you'd like to find out more about the podcast and our sponsors, you can go to our website, voschoolpodcast.com, you can find us on all the social media channels as per usual. And don't forget to sign up to our vocation conference. That is the conference devoted entirely to the business of voiceover. So if you're looking to get started in voiceover or you've been doing it a little while or you'd like to brush up on your business side, that's the place you need to be. We're going to be holding this in September 13th to 15th in New York City and go to vocationconference.com to find out more about that. Okay, that's enough selling. We'll have a couple of quick ads and then I'm going to introduce you to our first expert. As a voice actor in 2019, you're more than just an actor. You are a business. The first ever conference for the business of voiceover is coming to New York City, September 13th through 15th. Amazing speakers, panels, and classes all in the greatest city in the world. Vocation NYC. Ticket sales start April 1st. Be one of the first 100 to register and get a special early bird conference rate. For more information, visit vocationconference.com. Vocation NYC. Take your VO business to the next level. The National Zoo. Because sometimes you just need to stroke a llama. Instagram. Download it and start embarrassing your teenagers today. Resolve spot and stain. Because the dog's gonna drag his butt on the carpet. He just is. Engage the droid army with this Lego Star Wars Republic fighter tank. Hi, it's J. Michael Collins. And these are just a few examples of the first-class demos my team and I are producing. If you'd like to have something similar, visit jmcvoiceover.com and click on the Demo Production tab to find out more. 
Okay, first up is Liz Dineshnere. She is a fantastic talent based in New York, upstate. I've known Liz for quite a few years now, actually, since I first moved to America. And she does an awful lot of voicemail, IVR, telephony, voice prompts, phone tree, whatever terminology you use. There are differences between those those number of things, and she explains all that. Uh, she'll hear that in a second. But I asked her how she finds this work, uh, what the work is, and her advice for anyone wanting to get into it. Now, if you'd like to find out more, I will explain how to spell her name. It's Liz, L-I-Z or Z, de, D-E, <laughs> and Neshnera is N-E-S-N-E-R-A. So uh, Liz de Neshnera, and you can find her at hireliz.com. Okay, so I'm going to hand it over to Liz to explain all about that. Hi, my name is Liz Dineshnera, and I am a bilingual English and French voiceover talent. This is my day job, as I tell people. And basically what I do a lot of every day is telephony work. Uh, Basically, I refer to myself as one of the matrons of voicemail jail. Basically what I do is I tell people how to get the information that they need, and that really is the way that I look at my work. When someone calls a company and they are looking for a specific department, I'm there to help them find it. I'm there to help them find the person that they need to talk to. And so that's really the way I go into that type of work. It's really, I am helping people get the information that they want. And that's the way telephony work is basically should be looked upon. It's not work that should be looked upon as annoying or, oh, a necessary evil, as a lot of people have looked at it. I really look at it as providing a service. I started, uh, as a lot of voiceover talent did and do, uh, I started actually in radio. However, I was not a DJ. I was actually a copywriter and production director at a small radio station in northern New Jersey. And so I used to be the one that would write the local commercials and tell which DJ to produce which spot. Uh, And I worked with the salespeople and I worked with the clients. I did a little bit of sales for a little bit of time, but was not my thing, which is interesting considering that now I'm running my own business and have to basically sell myself. But that's the way I got started. From there, I actually went on to work at a corporate recording studio, which mostly did telephony work. That was actually the bulk of their business. And so I was the one who produced all of those prompts, as we call them. I was the one that hired the talent. I was the one that worked with the clients to make sure that they were getting what they needed. And one of the main things that I did is I provided those files in the format that the clients needed for their systems. And that's the thing with telephony work. Less now than uh, even a few years ago, now a lot of telephony companies will just ask for an MP3 or a 16-bit 44.1K WAV file. But there are a lot of what we call legacy formats out there. And the fact that I worked at a production studio that dealt with those, I have become one of the go-to voice talent when other voice talents' eyes glaze over saying... I don't know what a CCITT 8-bit AK Mula WAV file or an IVC file or a natural microsystems file is or, uh, you know, there, there are a myriad file formats out there and I know 
a lot about that just because I've done it for the past 20 plus years. The way that I get my work um, is a lot of it is self-found, as they say. In other words, I, I market my services to that industry. I am on a lot of rosters. So there are a lot of companies out there that actually do only that type of work. And they specialize in providing message on hold and IVR services. So here's something interesting. You should know the difference between what's called IVR and MOH. So IVR is interactive voice response. So interactive voice response means you're responding. So for sales, press one. You press one. For technical support, press three. You press three. Message on hold, or MOH, is really what you hear online when you're on hold, and it's sort of a commercial for the company, telling you their hours or telling you what their services are or telling you about their latest product. So message on hold, believe it or not, can be similar to commercial work. What I tell people when they start doing telephony is the reads have to be appropriate for the client. So you wouldn't read a commercial for a hospital the same way you'd read a commercial for a Harley-Davidson dealership. Same thing applies when you're talking about telephony, okay? You wouldn't read the message on hold script for a hospital the same way you'd read it for a Harley-Davidson dealership. So you have to keep in mind the end user. And the end user is the person who actually calls in to your client, who calls in to the phone system. So when you're calling up a company and you get the voicemail, you get the message on hold, or you get the IVR system, you are the end user. The client needs to know who their clients are, and those are the people that you need to reach when you do this type of work. Generally, as I said, most of the work comes to me by my own efforts. I actually do get rarely uh, some message on hold work from a couple of my agents uh, for larger corporations, but I actually have direct clients that have found me online. A lot of clients like the fact that I speak two languages, so I can do their messages in two languages. In Canada, that works well. And even here in the States, French is, I believe, still in the top 10 languages spoken in the States. It used to be number three, but I think we've been overtaken by, uh, by Chinese, actually. So, But it is still one of the most spoken languages, even here in the States. So I do get a lot of bilingual telephony work. So most of my work comes from my own efforts, as I've said. I do get a lot of referrals from other talent because they will get hired for the English, I'll get hired for the French, or they have been hired for the Spanish and they want to hire me for the French and the English. It's really all about building relationships. I wouldn't say that agents play a huge part in getting telephony work. It really uh, mostly comes from uh, your own efforts and referrals. In terms of the future of this of this genre, it's growing. I mean, it is something that really is a way for companies honestly to save money. When I first started in this in this genre, there was a a number that had been thrown out and I'm sure it's more now, but it cost a company about 
$4.50. This is about 15 years ago. It cost a company about $4.50 to have an actual human pick up the phone and talk to a, a client or a customer of theirs. It cost about a quarter or 25 cents to have that customer routed through the message on hold or IVR system. So it's definitely a a money saver for corporations and for companies because it saves time and money. It gets people to the person that they want much more directly and much more quickly than if you actually had an operator. It is also one of the only genres in voiceover where women have a slight edge over the guys. It used to be about 70-30 women to men. Uh, then it went to about 60-40. I would say it's it's not quite 50-50. Uh, I think it's there's still a slight edge for women in this genre than men. I mean, believe it or not, I've done and been the voice for quite a few years of a trucking company, <laughs> you know. So, you know, got truckers that are listening to my to my voice on their IVR. And I, I honestly think that that goes back to the trustworthiness and the and the women operators that used to run the telephone systems. Again, I don't want to discourage guys to do this because I have a good friend of mine that just booked a really nice telephony gig and it was fantastic. So there is work for both. I think though that uh, and it's it's only going to keep growing, frankly, because it is a way for corporations and companies to save money and time and get their customers to where they need to be. The other thing to keep in mind about telephony work is that once you get in, especially if you end up doing a large system, a large system set where you're doing, like I'm I'm the voice of, of a few banks where I've done all of the numbers and all of the days of the week and months of the year and years and, and the real basic prompts. Once you're in systems like that, they come back to you for updates. And that's the thing with telephony is that it is volume and it is uh, update based. I, like I said, I do this work every day. It is one of the core pieces of my business, both for rosters and with direct clients. Uh, The prices are going to be different when you're on a roster. Obviously, you're not doing any of the marketing, and the work is literally coming to you without having to audition. Uh, But it is consistent, and it really is consistent work. And I have clients that have come to me directly that obviously I can charge more because I'm doing all the work. I've done the marketing. I'm doing all of the converting of the files. I'm doing all the editing. Also, if you're afraid of getting into this because you don't want to learn about all of the all of the different formats, uh, several voice talent finally convinced me to offer that as a service. So I do. Uh, you can go to convertmyfilesnow.com. Yes, the website's going to be redone because right now it looks like the 80s are calling and want their website back. But that's okay. It's just, you know, it's, it's, it's there. Um, my website is hireliz.com. Uh, I'm also on Instagram at HireLizVO and uh, on LinkedIn at Liz Dineshnera. And I'm sure Jamie will have my, how you spell my name, which is always a fun thing. Anyway, it's a great business to be in. There are all different types of voices that are needed for this type of work because there are all different types of companies and corporations out there. So have fun with it and get into it. There's enough work out there for everybody. Okay, thank you, Liz. That was really, really fascinating. I know a lot of people are intrigued by this kind of work. It's a little mysterious. So I want to thank Liz for elucidating all of us on voicemail and IVR and all those other terms. 
Okay, so next up is the fantastic Issa Lopez, and you'll hear why she does a lot of voice work. She's got a great voice. Uh, she is very well known in this industry for doing radio imaging. And so I tasked her with talking about that to us today and how she finds work in that genre. Also, she's bilingual or maybe multilingual, and she talks about how she works in the Spanish language world in America. Um, so that's we're covering two bases there. So uh, she's got an awful lot to say and she's got an awful lot of knowledge to share with us today. So without further ado, here is Isa Lopez. So cool to be featured on this VO School episode, Jamie. Thanks so much for reaching out. Let's talk about radio imaging and also Spanish voiceovers. My name is Isa Lopez. You can find me on Isa Voice. ISSAVoice.com. And you know, a lot of people email me and reach out to me on social media. Hey, Isa, I see you doing a lot of radio imaging. About 60% of what I do is radio imaging. Now, to be honest with you and to be transparent, I came from radio. So as a radio DJ for over a decade, I was connected to a lot of program directors and working for iHeart for so long. I had the inner loop on uh, a lot of stations and, you know, reaching out to program directors, right? Because if you're interested in doing radio imaging, you either have to know a lot of program directors, reach out to them, or of course, try to find a way to introduce yourself to producers that do radio imaging, right? Because those are the people that are going to know whether a new station is going to pop up or another one is about to switch the style. And of course, that is when the opportunity for you to get a radio imaging gig comes in. So a lot of places that I suggest that you look at are radio online websites like All Access. All Access is awesome. It's always telling you what station just, uh, you know, flipped or any type of changes that you see in a radio station. That's where an opportunity can come in. Sometimes they have ads for producers, uh, needed producers, and then you look at the emails, right, on that station. And that's how you can send your stuff. If you are going to reach out to program directors or producers, you better make sure you're prepared. Have that radio imaging demo prepared. There are a lot of people online that do radio imaging demos. If you're going to do it yourself, you're taking a chance. You want to sound like a pro. And I hope that if you are doing radio imaging, and if you do uh, have a demo produced, that you can also deliver what that demo is showing, right? Because that's representing who you really are. Um, it's a fun thing to do. Um, I will tell you, when you have a radio station, right, it's usually under contract. So that means guaranteed, guaranteed money every single month. You have to be tied to your microphone. So know that you have to be available same-day delivery for these radio stations. It's kind of like VO for TV, right? If someone says, you know, coming up on The Viewer today on Oprah, as an example, hey, you got to be right there by your mic to be available. So yes, it's guaranteed money, but you have to think of also the other side, which is being available at all times. So if you are doing a full-time job and you're not doing full-time VO, um, kind of stay clear of things that are high demand like radio imaging. Now, if you want to get into Spanish voiceovers, there is such a market for Spanish voiceovers. I have a lot of people emailing me, Isa, how do you get into Spanish voiceovers? Make sure you have a great website, right? Definitely set up a website and make sure that you guys, you practice when it comes to Spanish. Make sure you know the type of Spanish that you can deliver. Do you do Mexican Spanish? Colombian dialect, Venezuelan, Puerto Rican dialect? Do you provide 
neutral Spanish. Do your research and look online and see, okay, what are the popular dialects of Spanish? Because there are so many different types of Spanish out there. A lot of people don't know that, but it's the truth. There's a lot of different Spanish out there. Online presence is so important, you guys. What you post, how you portray yourself online, you want to be professional. But I got to tell you, one of the biggest places that I get a lot of work from is on LinkedIn. So if you don't have a LinkedIn profile, make sure that you create a professional LinkedIn profile. Post your stuff on there, even if it's a SoundCloud link, so that people can hear you. Because how am I going to know about Joseph Lopez, right? Jose Lopez, as an example, if I don't know who he is and I haven't heard his stuff. So make your online presence strong. Follow people on Twitter. Look up hashtags. Hashtags are so important on Twitter. Put your brain to think, okay, how can you search? We have this lovely thing called Google, the internet. I mean, it's so easy to find voiceover opportunities. There are so many videos, you guys, on YouTube, okay, that don't have a voice. Reach out to those people. Anytime you see a video, whether it's on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter, that doesn't have a voice and that you know that you're prepared and you can fit that voice, reach out to that person and be like, man, your video would be much better with a voice on it. Here's my website. Here's my SoundCloud or whatever link you have. But most importantly, you got to hustle every day. There is not probably one day that I don't reach out to at least four or five people saying, hey, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is my website. You got to hustle every single day. So make sure that you do that and make sure that you practice your reading because there's going to be times when you're going to be reading a lot, right? And another thing that you can do is if you can afford it, save up and go to a voiceover conference. Make sure you've got those business cards ready. Be prepared to represent yourself. But most importantly, whether it's radio imaging, voiceovers, Spanish voiceovers, whatever you wish to do. Practice, 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 and get to know who you are in VO because there is what you wish to do and what your dream is to do in VO, and there is what you can do for the moment. I've evolved so much in voiceover. Even four years ago, what I could do four years ago is not necessarily what I can do today, and it's because of practice. It's because of having that experience in front of the mic. So take time with yourself and get to know yourself before you represent yourself. Because you know what? When you meet the right person, which is called an agent, they're going to ask you, hey, tell me about yourself. And if you can't answer that, oh boy, you cannot take that moment back. So be prepared. Get to know yourself. Get those business cards ready. Get your SoundCloud link together, your LinkedIn link, and be prepared. And go out there and not be afraid. Because why am I going to hire anyone, whether it's to build a house or to do a voiceover, if they don't know how? So if you don't know how and you're just beginning, do your studies. Follow people that you look up to on Instagram and on YouTube. You have this lovely thing called the internet research. And good luck. You can do it. Again, this is Isa Lopez, IsaVoice.com. See, I'm advertising myself. Okay, thank you, Issa. That was really, really fascinating and quite motivational as well, I found when I listened to that. Uh, So I want to thank her for her contribution. That was really, really insightful. Now, speaking of insightful and motivational, I want to introduce you to Ryder. You may know him already. He has a one-word name, so he must be important, like Madonna or... Share or someone like that. Um, he has got a list of clients as long as your arm, <laughs> so uh, you should check that out. Look at look him up on the internet and IMDb and all those kind of places. 
But he mentions some of the networks that he's voiced promos for. That's what we're talking about with Ryder, as well as commercial and documentary narration and things like that. But primarily today, we're talking about promos and how he finds his work, how he does his work, and his advice for those looking to get into that line of work. So without me rambling on any further, here is Ryder. Well, hi there, Jamie, and hello, everyone on the other end. It is Ryder coming to you from my uh, whisper room in Switzerland, Florida. <laughs> it's great to be with you guys today. I got started f- uh, really full-time in voiceover probably about nine, ten years ago. Uh, I've actually been pursuing it since 2006 uh, was when I first started dabbling in voiceover and did so because uh, I was doing uh, corporate radio, and morning radio that is, and had been downsized like three times. And I was dragging my family around America uh, for jobs that really just had no security whatsoever. And I just decided, I'm like, I've got to use the talents that God gave me uh, in a different way. And uh, really just, you know, started focusing daily on trying to improve every aspect of my game while, you know, doing a whole nother job that was quite demanding. But it was, uh, I don't know, about... Five years ago now that I made the switch and literally said goodbye to a six-figure morning radio job in Minneapolis. Just didn't love it anymore as much as I love this. You know, promo is is my jam. I absolutely live and breathe and love doing promo uh, almost as much as I as I do uh, narrating TV shows because I just I love being a part of the content just as much as I love being a part of the sell. Uh, if you will. But, you know, I think it's super important when people that are, you know, thinking about doing this full time in the future that you got to realize that you've got to be at a certain point, both financially um, and mentally with not just yourself, but with your significant other, your partner in life, because there was there was there was actually a time where I wanted to um, get out of radio several years sooner and my wife wasn't on board yet. And it's so important that your significant other be 100% committed to the dream, because if not, it's going to fail. It's, it's, it's just true like that. And Joe Cipriano gave me some great advice when I first called him. Man, I think it was like 2006, 2007. I was disgruntled at my job. And, uh, and I said, Joe, I want to be you someday. I want to do what you do. Uh, can I quit radio right now? <laughs> what a naive question. And Joe said to me, he goes, listen, you can quit your job when you've replaced that income. And I was, I was upset with that answer. I didn't like it. Um, but it made sense. I mean, like, how could I quit, you know, a job that was paying me this much money for a job that's paying me a quarter of that or less at the time. So, uh, I just spent the time you know, doing both jobs and building. That's the thing. Everybody wants this, uh, you know, immediate success thing, you know, and I think it's because of the smartphones. Everything is so, you know, on demand these days. You push a button and you get it. It's not like that in voiceover. Uh, It takes time to build relationships and build clients. And um, it's, you know, it is, it is not for the weary and it is not for the impatient. Uh, my workload generally comes to me from my agents uh, and my managers. I have two of each. I've got Paradigm on the East Coast and on the West, William Morris Endeavor. 
And um, my managers are ACM Talent on the East Coast and Jason Helsner uh, on the West Coast. And there's a lot of people out there that that are like, how can you, why do you have all these people? Well, the answer is because I work so much, I really don't have time to be out there getting the gig. That's their job. Their job is to put me in the batter's box, and my job is to step up and swing for the fences and book the gigs. Uh, And I feel like there's this dual, if you will, mentality that that exists in voiceover. There's there's some people that believe it is them against the world, and then there are some people like me that believe, hey, if you put together a team, a team that's working for you, uh, you can utilize the strengths of the team for your benefit to grow your career. And it has been um, great for me. Uh, I, you know, I, I couldn't possibly imagine um, a better career at this point in time in my life. But yeah, no, the, the, the majority of, of all the work that I get, 90-some percent of it comes from my agents and, and my managers. And, you know, it, it tends to, the more you book with a certain network, um, you know, the more you tend to sort of work your way into their daily thought process. So when, you know, when promos or, or a new television show comes up, um, they're already going, oh, yeah, Ryder would be perfect for this. Like on, on the CW network, I started with DC's Legends of Tomorrow. And then when Supergirl got added to the network, it was like, for them, a natural like, well, yeah, let's put Ryder on that because he's already got that sort of superhero vibe. And then, you know, after working with them now for going on four or five years, you know, another show popped up. And a lot of times, you know, when a new show pops up, they want a new voice to go along with it. Well, the people that, that, that work in the CW, I've, you know, created a great relationship with them to the point where um, when Charmed was being add on, added to the Sunday night lineup, you know, the people there that, that work with me every single day and know me and love what I do said, well, doesn't it just make sense to have one voice for the night? Since Supergirl and Charmed are being billed as a as a big Sunday night thing, shouldn't we have one voice for that? And you know that's kind of how that played out, um, and how you know how the importance of the relationships that you create over time, you know, keep the gigs coming to you just as much as your agents and your managers do. I think the sources that you know that work comes from are always evolving. I mean, Netflix as it exists right now. We didn't even think 10 years ago that it could be this gigantic. And there's so many, you know, smaller versions of that popping up on a daily basis. And ultimately, every single one of them are going to need to speak to somebody and connect with somebody to get them to view that show. And so, yeah, I think the sources are going to constantly be evolving and changing. But I think the demand will always be there for somebody to tell the story and make that connection between the product and the person. Uh, will my voice print continue to be in demand? God, I sure hope so. Uh, <laughs> let's just be honest. Uh, I'm 48, going to be 49 in October. Uh, and I feel like when you look at the legends in voiceover, 
the the guys, the you know, the the Don LaFontaines, the Hell Douglases, they didn't even hit their stride. They didn't hit their seven figure, you know, stride until they were, you know, practically sixty. In Hell Douglas's case, I think seventy. So yeah, no, I think that my voice print will also change with my age. And, you know, like there's there's some guys that I share, uh, you know, uh, uh, time with on the CW network that um, they've been there for, you know, as long as the CW network's been around. Um, so that's huge. You know, th- their voices have changed. My voice will change. And, and ag- again, I, I think it's about your agents. It's about your relationships and not quite so much. Your voice. I mean, I, I would hazard to say, and some people think I'm crazy when I say this, and I really think it's like 60-40 performance relationship, maybe even sometimes 70-30, uh, where it's it's more where it's, and let me clarify that, like when I say 70-30 performance relationship, I, I actually should have reversed that. I mean that I believe it's more important about the relationship than it is the actual performance itself. Because, come on, people, let's face it, at the end of the day, we're just talking mouths. I mean, it's not rocket science. It's not, you know, earth-shattering, changing stuff that we do every single day. But I think, you know, for anybody who wants to break into promo in the future, uh, if there's anything that I could share with you that I think it's the most important thing is, is, is getting with a great coach and constantly listening to them for ways for you to get better at what you do. Because, you know, there's a lot of times a coach will come to a session and they've got a, you know, they've got something that they're attempting to teach you in that session, but you may walk away with something completely different than what they had intended. Because really, I mean, it's about your learning, your growing. And they they can come with a lesson plan, and I hope they do, um, but it's about how open you are to, you know, not just hearing the words, but hearing the connections that are going on in the ether sort of behind the scenes, uh, in the dark recesses of your brain, if that makes sense, where all of a sudden you're like, oh, oh, I would never have thought to do that. But that coach took you to that place, to that moment where now all of a sudden you realize, you know, I could totally do that. And I'll give you an example. There's this crude example of this, okay? Uh, one of my coaches is Harry Dunn. I love Harry. Uh, and Harry was teaching me a lesson one day about, um, and I can't remember the show offhand, but it was it was like a high-energy female-driven uh, show. And as you can hear, I've got kind of like a deep, girthy, more manlier voice. So it, this was not part of the lesson. But my takeaway from it was, you know what? I can use a flamboyantly gay voice to sort of get myself into the energetic character that I want to bring to this promo copy and then totally drop the uh, the accent completely and then go straight into the copy. And that brings me to a whole different place in my pitch and in my register and in my delivery and in my sass and in my spunk that I never in a million years thought that I could do before. Um, and again, that wasn't part of the lesson. It was just something that I was open to hearing, you know, from the universe, if you will, uh, that I should take away from that lesson. You in your voiceover career are going to be brought to where you na- where you're going to you're going to naturally gravitate 
towards where you book the most. And you should listen to that because, um, you know, there's a lot of people out there that want to be movie trailer voices, but it never happens. And then they waste so much time and energy and effort trying to, it's sort of like that girl that you've always wanted, but she's never going to date you, man. So freaking give it up and focus on the girl that actually does like you and as, and is good for you. It's sort of like that, I think, in voiceover. You know, you're going to naturally gravitate towards, you know, animation or commercial or, you know, or promo or, or corporate narration or book on tape, you know. Did I just say book on tape? Because I don't do it. So I don't, I don't, I don't even know what the, uh, the proper terminology is for uh, audiobooks these days. There we go, audiobooks. But go to where you are booking and become the best at that. And once you become the best at that, that's when you can sort of start to branch out and diversify. But, I, you know, if again, and this is, I said I was going to leave you with one thing about coaching, but the second thing that I believe is the most important part of a voiceover's career is diversification, doing a lot of different things. Because like even in the promo world, you know, there's seasons. Really change, things have changed these days and seasons do kind of last a lot longer than they used to. But there are seasons... Uh, where, you know, you, there, there's nothing going on in promo. They're, they're just playing a bunch of reruns. So you're not making any money unless you're diversifying. So that's what I leave you with today. And I, I appreciate you giving me the chance to, to share this with my colleagues and friends out there. You know, it's kind of a lonely world living in these little boxes sometimes. But the one thing that I have always appreciated about voiceover is how willing we all are to help raise each other up. And I think that's super important because, man, the world needs some good karma these days. Take care, bud. Thank you, Ryder. That was brilliant. Everyone loves promos. Everyone wants to get into promos. So hopefully that will be helpful for you if that's something you want to do in your career. Okay, now, last but of course definitely not least is Karin Guilfrey. You know Karin. She's been on the podcast before. She's organising the Vocation Conference with myself, which you should go to vocationconference.com. Just throwing that in there. Um, (laughs) But Karin today is going to be talking about her bread and butter work, which is commercials. Now, again, a very interesting subject because it's a genre that is going through a lot of changes. But she talks about how she finds all of her commercial work, which is significant, today in 2019 as we record this so i think you're going to find this really really interesting i'm going to sign off now because once karen's done we're going to have the credits so i want to thank you for listening and i want to thank all of today's guests liz isa Ryder, and karen for their fantastic insights so i'll see you again next time for our next batch but to finish up explaining commercials it's karen gilfrey Hey, everyone at the VO School Podcast. This is Karen Guilfrey coming to you from New York City. And I'm going to talk to you about commercials. But before we get into that, I'll tell you a little bit about me and how I got started and uh, all that good stuff. So in around 2012, 2013, I was living in Switzerland um, and uh, my job was opera singing. I had a visa at the time that basically said that I could only do opera singing in Switzerland, and I wasn't working a lot in opera, Um, and I needed a way to make money, but I had to make money from the States remotely. 
So I had this great friend named Tim Campbell, who's an amazing narrator, and he um, had kind of just started doing audiobooks at that time. And I thought, oh, that would be a great thing for me to do. I could I could work remotely from the States and I could use my performance training and I could do audiobooks. So when I was home for um, Christmas for a while, and my family lives in LA, I took a bunch of classes. And then when I got back to Switzerland, I set up a home studio and I jumped into ACX. Now, this was a really important part of my development as a voice actor because it really taught me how to record myself. And I think that that is the main thing that people need to learn in this day and age to be competitive in voiceover. You have to know how to record yourself and record yourself well. And that's especially true in the commercial market now. I get auditions from my agents all the time that need to record from home. Uh, not only the audition, but where the final product records from home. I get union auditions that record from home. I get, you know, I do a lot of other work besides commercials, though commercials are a big part of my, the bread and butter of my voiceover life. <laughs> but um, recording yourself is so, so important. And doing exclusively audiobooks for a couple of years got me really good at that so that I could be competitive when I started auditioning on pay-to-play sites, which is what I did next. I moved to New York in 2014. Um, I had like no money and two suitcases. <laughs> I got an apartment with a closet that I knew I could convert into a studio. And I used what little money I had to subscribe to Voice123 um, and other online casting sites and I jumped into commercials. I did not have a good commercial demo, which I know is a big faux pas and I should have. I made it myself, it sounded terrible. Just being totally transparent here with you, because I know a lot of people make their own <laughs> demos and really a commercial demo you should have made by a professional who knows what they're doing. I didn't, but here's the beauty about these pay-to-play sites is that no one's actually really listening to your demo unless they want to hear more. Your demo on the on pay-to-play sites is basically used as a way to match you algorithmically to jobs that have the same specs as are in your profile. So I got away with it for a little while. Um, and I started doing auditions for commercials and e-learning and explainer videos and all kinds of things. And I found that I... I started getting hired for a lot of commercials. And I also, I was auditioning a ton every day. I would do, and I still audition this much, but I would do like between 10 and 30, 40 auditions a day sometimes. And for me, I found that that just made me so much more versatile because I was exploring different genres of voiceover. I was figuring out from listening to um, the voice samples that people had tagged for their commercial, like, oh, this is what natural conversational means, because here is a YouTube video of something that they like. Okay, I'm going to try and match this sound. And it was just such a great learning experience for me. After a few years, I started getting hired more and more for commercials, and um, I was making my whole living as a voice actor and not as an opera singer anymore. It wasn't until February of 2018 
that I decided to get a real agent and a manager. Part of that had to do with me joining the union, though I am FICOR. I do both union and non-union work, which I know, I know a lot of people are really not happy about. But but for me, I was making 90% of my income from non-union work at the time and not enough of it converted for me to be able to go full union comfortably. I also had a new baby at the time, and um, you know, my husband. Basically, we we got to a point where we decided that it would be better for him to be available at all times to watch our daughter and do his work from home rather than get a nine to five job, and for me to do as much voiceover as possible, um, which has worked out really really well. But I didn't have an agent until I had been doing this for like almost six years. Since then, I absolutely love my representation. Most of the auditions that they send me are MP3 auditions that I need to audition for from home. Every once in a while, I'll go to an in-person audition. But I got to tell you, in-person auditions take a long time. And they take so much time away from the voiceover work that I'm doing at home. And, you know, it takes me an hour to get somewhere on the subway, like maybe 30 to 45 minutes to sit there, wait for my little five minute audition and then go home. So it's taking like maybe two and a half hours out of my day, which when I have limited time because I have a little kid, that's a lot of time (laughs) to take out of the day for one audition. Whereas, you know, when I'm home, I can audition like in an hour, you know, 60 times. If I, <laughs> I mean, maybe not that many, 30 times. But I love auditioning from home. And I love seeing people who I know at auditions. But I also started a group called Voice Actors of NYC, where we get together every um, a couple of times a month for classes and events. And uh, that kind of fills my need to be around other people in the industry. And yeah, MP3 auditions are great. And specs are usually written pretty well. I can figure it out. It's just like auditioning for things online, which I still do often. And yeah, I mean, this year has been very prolific for me, which is absolutely wonderful. Where do I think the future of commercials are going? I... I have a lot of thoughts on that. I think that people want things increasingly faster and cheaper, unfortunately for us. I don't think broadcast rates are going to go up. I am hopeful about the new commercial contract for the union, but I think that the internet and and technology has made everything just so easy for people that um, they just want to get a deal all the time on broadcast work. Uh, I think that commercials will always be important. I think there are more commercials than ever with all of the different streaming services and all of the different platforms where you can watch commercials. There are more commercials than ever, but the budgets are smaller than they were back when broadcast TV was the end-all be-all of commercials. I think that that's actually an okay thing for the industry. I think that we'll all find that we're just doing more work and we'll feel more fulfilled. And there won't be these big $90,000 jobs anymore. (laughs) But there will be a lot of a lot of work for everyone. I'm very optimistic. And now a word on the subject from one of my favorite people ever, who 
just woke up from a nap. Can you say hi, everybody? No. No? Du, 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 du. Can you say, I'm going to do commercials someday, everybody? No. <laughs> well, that was Mahalia. And again, I'm Karen Gilfrey. You can find me at karengilfrey.com or on Instagram or Facebook or I'm not really on Twitter very often, but you know, you can find me on Twitter too. And thanks so much to Jamie. And I hope this was helpful. Thanks, guys. Thank you to this week's guests. Thanks also to JMC Demos and IPDTL who sponsor the show. Thanks to Backstage Magazine and a special shout out to Patreon super member Angus McLeod. We'll see you again next time.